0: Looking at Matthew 11, focusing on verses 25 through 30, this is a wonderful text that we all revel in. If you would follow along with me as I read at verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Father, we come before you now humbled by life, humbled by the reality and the depths of our depravity and sin, but encouraged by your words. For you have called those who are humble and low before you to come to come to you so that we might find rest for our souls this morning. Father, and I ask that you would grant us that rest, that you would move in our hearts by the power of your spirit and draw us to a place of seeing you again, of resting in your provision, resting upon what you have accomplished on the cross for us. Do that work in us so that we might glorify you. We thank you for your word and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to start off talking about kids and I. I do so, if you don't know me, um, I do so because I have a lot of kids. I have three amazing, wonderful kids. I have five in total, but three of them are just <laughs> top-notch. I love telling that joke. It's a Brian Regan joke. I don't want to steal anything from anybody. I do have five amazing kids, and because of that, I, I feel like you know I've, I've grown and, and, and grown to the place where I have a, a Ph.D. in kidology. I, I I live it. I breathe it. It's it's every day of my life, and and I don't know if you're like me. If you've been a parent or observed kids, uh, it's clear that kids do not easily grow weary. They they don't they don't tire out very quickly. You know, we uh, even today. If you if you come to the beach bonfire later on today with us, you know, you as an adult you go to the beach and. And you run around and you talk to people and you interact with people and, and the sun kind of beats down on you and, and eventually you just feel worn out. But I can tell you when, when we go and we head back home, my kids will not be worn out. They will not be going back saying, finally we're here, can we just lay down and go to sleep for the night? They're not going to be doing that. They're going to be energized and refreshed and ready to just keep going and keep playing and interacting. They, they just don't grow weary quickly. They will get disappointed when, when things don't go their way. They, they can get a little bit crabby sometimes if they, if they get overtired. But when you watch a kid who comes from a loving, encouraging home, you almost never see them really grow weary in the true sense of the word. Things might not go their way and they may complain about stuff, but how quickly they just bounce back and they're like, I'm sure it'll be okay. You know, whatever's next will probably be fun and, and let's see what's going to happen. That's, that's just kind of how they interpret life, life as, as they understand their dependency upon loving parents who do want the very best for them all the time. When they understand that, They look at life and and they just go, I just trust what you're going to do and whatever comes next. It's just going to be okay. That's kind of how they live their lives. Of course, it's sad to see a child who doesn't live in that environment. And just like adults, they seem to be worn out. They always assume things are just not going to work out. This happens to all people as they get older even those who come from loving homes, life can change them. They can become worn down by life as as the pressures of life start to mount up and, and that they jump on that performance treadmill with school and, and friends and, and the look of their lives and wanting to be accepted and, and sometimes being rejected. And then disappointment disappointments start to mount as... You know, they don't get the job that they want, or the relationships aren't just coming the way that they want to, or they things just don't feel right, and, and suddenly the weight of life starts to bear down on their shoulders, and it changes people. They become weary. Our text this morning is talking about this very subject. It's talking to those who are weary, the text leading up to and all around this glorious invitation of Jesus Christ to come is incredibly negative. And maybe you haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at, you know, it's great to go to verse 28 and, and hear the, the words of Christ ringing in your ears, come, come to me, you who, are, who, who labor and are heavy laden, you who are weary, and I'm going to give you rest. Yet we... Don't spend time focusing on the beginning of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12 and what is surrounding this invitation. And when we do, we miss what it is that fuels our feelings of weariness. Because that's really what Jesus is talking about. He's leading up to it and he's talking to people around him, and he's he's letting them know there's something that's drawing you to a place of feeling labored, of feeling like you're working to the point of exhaustion, and there's no hope. There's no end in sight. We're not going to spend much time on that. We do see at the beginning of our text that we're looking at where jesus prays and he says i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent those who are laboring Is what he's talking about and have revealed them to babes even so father for so it is seemed good in your sight and all things have been delivered to me by my father And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal. Jesus is thankful here to his Father that God reveals to humble, dependent ones who he is, the ones who are truly in need, the ones who walk in a childlike faith, understanding that they can't save themselves. Those are the ones God opens the eyes of. And as I said earlier, children know they are in need and know where to go to get what they need. And this is who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the ones who, when he looks and sees the depths of their hearts and sees the Holy Spirit at working in them, he says, I can see that you know what your need is, and I am here to answer all of your needs. You are, I am the one you have been looking for. And what, what a gracious word this is. Imagine a church filled with boastful, prideful people People who are walking around going, yeah, God is good, and he comes along, and he may fill in some of the things that I'm lacking, but really, I just, I just handle it. I can handle it. I'm smart. You know, I went to school. I, I understand the world around me. I know what life looks like, and I know how to handle it. Man, if you would just follow me, you could figure out things like me. That's what the world thinks the church is, but it's not. It's not. We are a humble, broken people who know who to turn to and who supplies all that we need. So when Jesus gets into verse 28 and he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. He's not changing the subject. He's amplifying the subject He calls people to come, but not just anyone. He says, come all who labor and are heavy laden. If you're looking at different translations, like the NASB, you're looking at the word weary. Come all who are weary. That word labor, it connects those two ideas. It's connecting the idea in the Greek, the idea of somebody who works and somebody who is exhausted by their work. They are brought to a place of, I just... Can't take another step. I cannot keep going. I'm weary. And who are the weary? J.C. Ryle said that there are far more inwardly uncomfortable, burdened people than anyone would ever like to admit. There's a problem with our hearts. There's a problem in people who walk in weariness because the people who are weary and heavy laden, they seek by all means necessary to conceal that truth from others. You have husbands who hide it from their wives and wives from their husbands. They're weary, but they, they sit there and they're like, no, I'm okay, I'm okay, I can keep going. You have, you have employers Ryle says, who, who seek to hide the truth of their own weariness from their employees. No, everything's under control. I'm not weary. I know what I'm doing, and I know where we're going, and, and I have nothing to hide. I have the strength to sustain each and every one of us. They won't admit their weariness. Rich people hide it with stuff. They buy more and more things to insulate them from their own weariness so they can walk in that veneer of, no, I have it all under control. Poor people, they conceal their own weariness by fantasizing about what they're going to do when they get to that place where everything feels right and secure. Then it'll be good. Then I'll feel right. Then everything will come together. Nevertheless, all are weary dissatisfied and terrified that nothing will ever change even when i say it i know you feel it in your heart i'm working and i'm working and i'm carrying it i got juggling all the balls and I'm, and i'm just hoping to get over the hump and 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 i'm just going to get there and things are going to feel settled and but what if they never do What if I never, ever get there and this weariness just follows me all the rest of my days? What then? A terrifying proposal. Yet so many live exactly in that place. Yet no matter how much we make conversation about the others that we interact with, The fact of the matter is is that we are all weary. And yes, each description I can give describes each of us either now or at some point in our lives. I think this is why Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden because all of you are there or you were there at some point, come to me and keep coming to me over and over and over again. The reason why I think he says all is, when you look at the verses around it, as I said, I'm not going to go through each one, I don't have the time, but if you read forward into Matthew 12, he's talking to Pharisees who are watching him glean the wheat from the fields as he's walking around, and he says, they say, this is, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the covenant that God has made with his people by working on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? Yet as Jesus turns to him, his argument is clear as he goes on and he heals a man with a withered hand. He says, la- the Sabbath is made by the Lord. I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is meant for healing and for rest. That is what I have come to do. You've piled these things on here. You've done this. You've made yourself out to be God. As his word is revealed to you, you've said, yes, this is good, but let's just throw on a couple more hundred for everybody else to burden the people down with the law, with, not with God's law, with my law as if the old covenant, covenant wasn't wearisome enough as no one could fulfill its righteousness. Man in their self-deification said, how about a little bit more, a little bit more? And then humanity who follows that walks around saying, I can do this. I can save myself. Yes, God, he can do his part, but I need to do my part and I need to work and I just need to jump through a couple more hoops to satisfy him and to prove that he has saved the right person in me. And in that, we become little gods to ourselves, denying our dependency upon him, denying what Christ has done for us and has Paul says in Galatians, if that's the truth, then Jesus died in vain. Stop wearying yourselves with self-salvation or self-satisfaction. If you look back at verses 16 and 17 of chapter 11, we read, But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. What this is taking a picture of is this generation is like those who just, I'm doing all this stuff. How come I'm not getting what I want? I'm working, I'm singing the song, but nobody's dancing with me. Here I'm, I'm, I'm mourning, and, and nobody's lamenting with me. I'm not getting what I want out of life, and I'm wearied by it. I know what I want, and I know how I want it, and I know when I want it, and I'm not getting what I want, <laughs> and I'm weary. I'm worn out. He goes on in verse 18. He says, for John, that is... John the Baptist, who he references earlier, came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton, a wine-bibber, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He's saying, John the Baptist came... And here you have a person who lives this aesthetic life, and he's, he's just pushed aside everything to point you to God, and you're like, that guy has a demon. So then Jesus comes, and he eats and drinks, and he hangs out with sinners, and you're like, that guy's a sinner. Either way, you're not satisfied with anything. You've placed yourself in the place of God in your idolatry and Self-deification and said, this is what things should look like. This is how I should ha- get what I want. This is how things should be handled. This is, this is the picture that I've painted. And if it doesn't fit in the way that I want it to, I will condemn it all. And in it, you become weary. For you are not God. God is God. And you're not trusting him. In your self-salvation, in your self-satisfaction, in your lack of humility, in your idolatry, these are all, Jesus is saying, as you look at the big picture of chapters 11 and 12, he says, these are all enemies of rest. And we experience them all, or we all experience them. We struggle with them. That's why you're, that's why you struggle with weariness. That's why I struggle with weariness Maybe none of these things feel as strong in your life right now. They're not as clear to you right now. Maybe you are weary simply because of the uncertainties of life seem to be swallowing you up like a wave. Look further back at the beginning of chapter 11. Well, I won't read it to you, but what happens is is John is sitting in prison, John the Baptist is sitting in prison. And my assumption is is that things aren't going exactly the way he thought they were going to go. So he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one we've been waiting for? Or should we look for another? That sounds like the words of somebody who's weary, who's worn out. Somebody who's sitting in prison and going, "Uh, what's happening? I, I, I had a picture in my mind of of how things were going to transpire, and they're not. And, and where is Jesus? What is he doing? Is he really the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the earth like I proclaimed, or is he not? And God, Jesus, in his mercy, says to his disciples, go back to him and tell him. This is at verse 7. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, at verse 4. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. This is Jesus' gracious words to John saying, No, I'm he. I am the one. I am. speaking to the one who is weary because things aren't working out the way that maybe he expected to work out. I've struggled with this. I, as, as most of you, if not all of you know, my wife has been sick for almost three years now. And uh, almost two years ago, I, I wrote something in my own notes, journal, um, that I just wrote out as as God was speaking to my heart, and I, I didn't want to forget where I was at in that moment, and God led me to post it on Facebook, and maybe some of you have read it, but I'm going to read it to you now. <laughs> some people quote, like, Piper and Spurgeon. I quote myself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make myself laugh because this isn't easy to get through. About one-third of my coherent hours, my emotional and physical state could be summed up in two words, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of not knowing. I'm tired of not knowing what to do or how to help. I'm tired of having my, defining, my two defining emotions being scared and frustrated. I'm tired of the fact that somebody always honestly needs, really needs something from me. I'm tired of explaining my story or giving updates quickly followed by corresponding looks of pity, further reminding me of how hard all of this is. I'm tired of doing everyday life without my best friend by my side. I'm tired of witnessing unrelenting pain. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I'm tired of using self control when I, all I want to do to when all I want to do is scream at my own children, shut up and just do your homework. Or stop crying. I know this is hard for you, but I can't take any more trauma. I'm tired of always needing help and never knowing what to expect in the next three hours. I want to hide. I want the noise outside and inside of my head to stop. I want to tell everyone to just leave me alone. I want to tell God that I don't care what you are seeking to accomplish, just make it stop. I'm tired of trying not to cry. I'm just tired. Over the last two weeks, I've struggled with these same, same thoughts quite a bit as Carrie went through a five weeks of, of just misery and then about five days of getting up and moving around and then just immediately followed by intense pain that just caused her to lay in bed and not be able to move for about 12 days in a row. And I felt weary. And... All of this is exactly what led me to this text this morning. My plan was to teach on Colossians 2, which was my plan the last time I taught. And I started studying for that. But while sitting at a park and watching Nolan, my five-year-old, play, trying to escape the, the reality of our family's struggles, I could hear Jesus' words in my own ear saying, Come to me. Come to me you're weary, you're heavy laden, I will give you rest, come to me. Just come. Stop fighting. Stop stop carrying all these burdens in your your self-deifying way, wanting everything to be the way that you want them to be. Wanting everybody to respond the way that you want them to respond. Put those things down. Don't you hear that in the words? There's this idea of repentance of, of you've been carrying something over me. Put it down, turn, and come to me. This is the gracious invitation of our Lord and Savior, of the one who holds the planet together by his word, who laid out the plan of my life and of your life, and he's saying, come, come to me. Stop carrying those burdens and come to me. You're weary. Just let me hold you in my grace through the work of my gospel. Just let me hold you for a moment and find rest. Come to me. How do we know if we are truly coming to Jesus and not picking up new twisted versions of self-salvation, of self-satisfaction, because we're all pros at that, aren't we? We we turn and we turn to Jesus and on our way there we're like, but this looks good too. You know, he's going to help, but this will help also. How do we know if we're really coming to him? Well, Jesus clarifies for us Again he says, in verse 20, not for 28, "Come to me all who are labored or weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you." He says, "Take my yoke upon you. The first thing here that we might notice is the first thing that you might think is great. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of yokes. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of things that are weighing me down. And now Jesus wants me to come and and take his yoke upon myself. Why do I want to throw another yoke on me? Don't get me wrong. It is a yoke. It is a burden. When you put on Jesus' yoke, what you're doing is submitting yourself to his rule. Submitting yourself to his Lordship, laying down your own autonomy that says, hey, I sang a song and nobody danced. What about me? It's laying down all of your self-imposed rules that make you look holy and righteous before others. It's taking on his yoke, his lordship, and it is a yoke. That is the idea behind yoking in itself, if that's even a word. It's linking oneself to another, but it's linking oneself to another for the purpose of strength and direction. Back in the day, and even still to this day, you could have a yoke, if you know what I'm talking about, and and you'll have a strong animal, a learned animal, an animal who knows where he's going, knows what things look like, who's powerful, who's done the work, who's built up their strength, and they'll take a weaker animal and they'll put them next to the stronger, the stronger one for that very purpose so that the weaker one might find strength and might find direction. Strength and direction. And Jesus, the omnipotent, uncreated creator of all things, says, take my yoke upon yourself. This is not something we should run from. This is something we should run to. It's easy to see the grace in this. It's easy to see Jesus Christ saying, I see you. I see your wanderings. I see your failings. I see your weariness. Now come, and I will supply all that you need. Yoke yourself with me. Not just take but also learn he says going on in verse 29 he says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart there's so much to say there in so little time he says learn from me learn as you walk through this life learn from me it's a funny thing and I'm not saying this to impugn anybody because I do the same thing. Those of us who have young kids who are sitting in children's church right now, we'll go and we'll pick them up. And what's one of the first things we will probably ask them? Did you have fun? Did you have fun? We pick up our kids from school, they jump in the car. What do we say? Did you have fun? You know what the ridiculous thing about that is? Kids don't go to school to have fun. <laughs> The primary focus is, are you learning? And the question should be, what did you learn? What did you learn? And, 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 we, and me, being the, being in leadership over the children's ministry, we want things to be engaging. We want things to be fun. But for the purpose of drawing their attention in, for teaching them about Christ, when I drop my kids off from sc- at school, I want them to enjoy it. I want it to have a level of entertainment to it, but mostly that they would learn. And we get confused by that because in the school of life, we sometimes look at it and go, well, that's not fun. But that's not Christ's question. He's saying, but what are you learning? I want you to learn. I want you to take on my yoke and learn from me. To defeat the enemies of our rest, we must learn. We must learn from Jesus Christ and we must learn of Jesus Christ. We must look into and uh, deeply drink in his gospel so that when we are tempted to lay out new laws for ourselves, this is what good Christians do. And they don't even really line up with scripture, but that's what everybody thinks. And then we begin to burden ourselves with the right thing to do. We look deeply upon his gospel and we drink it in and we say, I want to learn from you. You've jumped through all the hoops so that I don't have to. God, forgive me. Jesus, help me to learn from you. Help me to learn that the things of this world will not satisfy. Only you can do that. Only you can bring me lasting satisfaction in life. And as I follow you, I find it. Because it's a hope that extends beyond the next 10 minutes or 10 hours or 10 years. It's a hope that extends all the way into eternity. Help me to learn from you. Take and learn. How do we know if we have learned? A good question to ask ourselves. are we changing? We can say that we've taken the yoke upon, his yoke upon ourselves. We can say that we are learning from Jesus Christ, but if nothing changes, if we still walk looking exactly like the world, we have learned nothing, nothing. This isn't legalism. This is part of the gospel, part of his gracious word to us. I've called you so that you would no longer walk in weariness, so that you would be different, so that you would now interpret and understand and respond to my grace with a newness of life and find rest from your weariness, specifically turning away from self-deification and idolatry and self-satisfaction and resting in Christ. There is one more question, and this is obviously where we're going. How do we know if we're coming and taking and learning And not just taking up another form of self-satisfaction or self-deification, we will know it if we find rest. Again at verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't rest, and I mean real rest, just awesome I mean, like, deep, feel it down in your toes, rest. It is, it is just one of the most amazing experiences any of us can have in life. Years ago, uh, Steve Wolf and I were, were working in Darfur and He dragged me, sometimes literally out on a trip where we were were up in the East Jebel Mara Mountains and we had to go and, and we were in a place where there was no roads and we had to hike back for miles and miles across mountains and find out if there was any other displaced people or if there was any other needs so that we could report back to our ministry and to the UN and different people that we reported to. and And it was, you know... Here's something sad. We're starting off on the trip, and we have like donkeys and maybe a horse somewhere, a horse or two, and 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 we're going along, and, and I'm walking, and our guide is like, oh, you're doing pretty good. This is like, saying a half an hour into the trip. Yeah, I'm good. I was a golfer. You know, I can walk quite a bit. I can walk a few miles carrying a bag. I'll be okay. And just the arrogance that was in my heart. I'm not, if you don't know me, I'm not a hiker, not a camper, none of those things. I hate all that stuff. And and here I am, I'm walking along, and I'm thinking, no, I'll be all right. I've only got one leg that works very well. The other one is, has no ACL in it, and I'm, I'm getting like halfway through, and I'm realizing I've already drank all of my water, <laughs> and we have a long, long ways to go. And we we just go on, and I can't remember that trip, it was like maybe three, four days, and and that's when I learned also Steve is a robot. Is it a cyborg? Is that what we call him? He just keeps going. Even, even the Darfurians, they were looking at him, and they're like, who is this white man? <laughs> he just keeps going and going, and he doesn't stop. And I'm back, there like, please make it stop. And, and we go through, and we get to the last day. And everybody's like, they can just see, I've already off and on been riding the horse, but they're just begging me, please get on the horse, just ride the horse. It's painful watching you, and I'm like, no, i will be okay, no, I'll get on okay, I'll get on I'll just ride it for a little while. And the horse, I don't know how to ride horses, and it walked like super slow, and it caused me to fall way behind, and I finally just gave up. So I jumped down, and I'm like dragging the horse, and I have, n- I have no energy left in me at all. Like, I've, I am as tired as I could ever possibly be. My tongue is swelling because I ran out of water, and, and I just feel like I'm at death's door. And, and I'm going up. We have this last ascent that we go, right at the school, and you start heading up this last hill up to our camp, and I don't feel like I can, can take another step, and this is thoroughly embarrassing, and I'm not sure how this exactly happened, but there was all these women in the village, they would go down to the wadi to the dry riverbed at the bottom of the hill and they would collect water and they'd walk back up the hill and they're walking alongside of me and they're just looking at me and they could see like, this white man is about to die. And they're, and they're helping me, lifting me up onto the horse because I'm dragging the horse. And they're like, just, I don't know what they're saying, but I'm assuming it's, it's just get on the horse. And I'm not sure what happened, but I know I laid my body on the horse and somebody helped me get up that last hilly part before I jumped off and walked the last few steps and I found rest. There's no, where we're at, there's no chairs, you know, we sit on rocks, you know, the only comfort you have is your little sleeping bag to lay on, but I laid down and oh, I found rest. Rest. It was was just everything just felt like it was melting into the earth and it was deep, deep in my body where I felt it and I was so happy, so happy. And to find that type of rest is just sweet, yet that's not the rest that Jesus is talking about. If you listen to the words here, there's something so much better. He says, Take, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. There's something eternal in there in mind, isn't it? There's something more than just physically laying down at the end of a long day and being like, oh, there it is. Like, oh, the pressure is just releasing everywhere. There's something deep in our hearts that we long for, that we were created with. And Jesus says, come, take, learn, and you will find a rest, a rest inside of you that you have never known. How many of us keep working, building up our lives. Just like me, hiking and struggling through life. You, know, you got your head down and you got a lot of willpower and you just keep banging your head against it. You keep working and, and I'm going to knock this wall down eventually and I'm just going to keep going and I'm so weary, but I also, I can't stop because if, what if the wall never falls and, and you're just terrified of what life is holding? And Jesus says, Come, take rest. You don't have to walk in that terror anymore. Find rest in me. Learn from me. Paul got this. If we were to look at Philippians 1, he says, I'm sitting in prison, but I'm thankful because the gospel is is going forth and people are becoming more bold, more bold. Because of what the place that Christ has placed me in. And therefore, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he goes on, he says, I can endure anything. I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to, to walk in plenty and to walk in, in, with nothing in life. I can endure anything. Why? Because if I have him, I have everything that I need. I'm resting in him. No matter what my life looks like, I'm just... Resting, I'm trusting in Him. This is the rest for our souls that we long for, and only Jesus Christ can provide. When our eyes become focused on Him, when we hear His voice in verse 30, it says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and we take it on like a child. Like a child who says, I know that I'm in need and I know exactly who to go to to fulfill all that I need. And when I come to him, I find rest, deep rest, deep rest in my soul. It causes me to be thankful regardless of my circumstances around me. As I rest in him, I am thankful for him and my trust grows in him. I'm willing to accept anything from the hand of God My king, for that's where rest is found. I read the first half of what I wrote two years ago. I want to read the second half of it to let you know where my eyes were truly focused. As I said, a third of my time, I'm tired. But that leaves the rest of the time. In fact, the majority of the time in which I am thankful to my Lord, Savior, and King. I am thankful for who Christ is molding me into through this temporary suffering. I am thankful that this suffering is truly temporary, which will be followed by an incomparable weight of glory that will never end. Those aren't just platitudes to me. I believe them in the depths of my soul, I am thankful for the lessons my family is learning through this. I am thankful for the glory Jesus has received over the last 12 months due to our pain which he has sovereignly chosen for us and how others have been drawn closer to him and the hope of their salvation as a result. I am thankful for the moment-by-moment reminder of my complete dependency upon the loving kindness of Christ. I am thankful that at 2.30 last night I got to sit up next to my wife and hold her hand and gently rub her head and to pray for her again in the midst of her pain. You didn't get to do it. I did because she's mine. I'm thankful that because of the last year my appreciation for my wife's beauty, wit, stubbornness, charm, Christ-likeness, humor, strength, and humility has only grown more and more. I am thankful For those who take the time to ask how Carrie is doing. And to offer up a never ending source of help, in addition to the countless number of prayers of those who have uttered prayers in private for my family without my knowledge. I know you are out there, and I'm thankful that God has surrounded us with such love and care as it has left an indelible mark upon us all. I'm thankful that this struggle we are facing will not end until God wants it to end. Finally, I am thankful for the stark reminder that he is God and I am not. Be thankful. If you're weary this morning, be thankful Put your trust in Christ and rest in him. This gracious rest that Jesus Christ has given us is what glorifies him. When we struggle with things, just like the rest of the world struggles, and we come to him and rest in him when we, Take on his yoke and learn from him and find rest in him. His name is exalted above all other names. And I ask you this morning, would you come? If you are weary, would you come? Like a child, not in a childish way, mindless, filled with naivete, like, I don't know, I guess I'll come, I don't know what it looks like, and I don't know where I'm going, Not in that way, but in a childlike way that says, I know that I am lost without you, Christ. And oh, how I need you. Every hour I need you. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Come and find rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth, your words your grace, your revelation of yourself that reminds us that you see, you see our wanderings, you see our pain. You have not left us alone. You have walked through the depths of suffering as you hung upon the cross for us so that you would bear our griefs and give us rest. And Father, if there is anyone here this morning who is never found true rest, who has the weight of the darkness of death hanging over them, Lord, I ask by your mercy, would you draw them to yourself and allow them to find rest in you? Father, for those who do trust in you, yet have again picked up different means of self-salvation and self-satisfaction, Lord, would you empower them once again by your Spirit, and draw them to yourself, that they may come, lay down their weariness, and find rest for their souls. We ask, Lord, that you would do this for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.